Shut up, I love it. Hey everybody, I'm Joe and Sasha, and we need a one-word suggestion. Shut up! I love it. I am Joe Cabello. You already said who you are, and I am I the other half. I am the other half of this podcast, Sasha Filer. This is the only half, Shut really. The only half. This is Shut Up, I Love It, a podcast where we invite a special guest to talk about something underrated, underappreciated, misunderstood, forgotten, obscure, uh, something, somebody who lives on the margins of the society. I don't know. We're going to bring one of those one of these days. <laughs> People on the margins of society <laughs> love our podcast. <laughs> who do we have in our studio today, Joe? All right. We here have an actor, writer, director, filmmaker, teacher. Big, uh, big asterisk or italics on teacher, perhaps oh, there, but directed Bloodsucking Bastards, a great, amazing film. Go check it out. Too long of a list of things to for to check out from this man, but I can tell you he's taught the best because he's taught me. Brian James O'Connell. I love it. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> I was taking a little last second sip of drink there. You almost spit it out, ruined my. Uh, Ruin my laptop. I just want to take this second to uh, to start off with a compliment for you guys. Obviously, uh, Joe, I've worked with for a long time and and loved it with him uh, in our improvised movie show. But I think what I love b- about uh, both of you <clears throat> is both of you are responsible for two of my favorite things. I'm always pushing improv to be more presentational and to do more production value and sort of it be a thing. And then people are like, "Well, I want to do a gimmick show." I'm like, "I don't know, man." Macho Man Randy Savage is one of the most well-respected wrestlers of all time. Also, his gimmick. Pretty good. I mean, it's snap into a slim gym. People know who he is outside of wrestling, and so with the uh, the uh, very deep uh, improvised movie slash sketch show based around mayonnaise, which is one of my favorites, and of course, <laughs> Sasha, I've I've always been a huge fan. I've always uh, pointed out uh, Yuri's Flying Cat Circus is one oh. of my favorite shows. Is a way that like oh. you can do improv that is where the improv is definitely the star of the show. And also it's got a great premise and a great gimmick that people want to see over and over again. Cause anytime I've ever explained uh, Yuri's flying cat circus, people go like, okay, I would like to see that. I'm like, that's the whole point. <laughs> Just get them in the building and then oh. wild them with your improv afterwards. But you gotta get them in the building first. And you guys have always been really, really good between flying cat circus, the improvised movie. Uh, obviously the stuff that uh, you were producing for Shane all those years, like that stuff is just cool and fun and interesting and makes me proud to do improv. So thank you for having me on. Wow. 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 Usually I wouldn't let so much right love. Yeah. I wouldn't let people love on us that much. Uh, but you know, if you can go Too on late. for a couple more minutes, actually. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a right. huge honor to hear from you. Obviously I've been watching and ingesting all the greatness from you for decades at this point, I feel like. Ingesting uh, you're, so you're much. Not, you're not far off. <laughs> I, I, you're not far off. To- I can't uh, even go to bed without ingesting a nice tall glass of Brian James O'Connor. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. March, uh, yeah, March, March first of next year will make it uh, twenty years to the date that I took my first improv class. Amazing. Yes. Why would you even yeah. be talking yeah. about improv right now? Is my big question for yeah. you. <laughs> when don't I? That's the problem. I think that's that's a uh, adequate answer. But what are yeah. you here to talk about today? <clears throat> 
I'm here to talk specifically about a long-form improvisational uh, structure called the deconstruction, which uh, obviously, uh, for those very hip and, uh, and erudite uh, fans of this podcast, which I assume is all of them, uh, will probably be like, oh, is that, did it get its name from the, the uh, philosophy of the same name? It, it certainly did. <clears throat> There's certainly pieces of that. Uh, I'm sort of known as uh, the decon guy. I've traveled all, all over the country and and actually part, uh, different parts of the world. I've gone to Mexico City. I've gone to Dublin, uh, different places to teach this. So I could say, yeah, internationally, globally. Yeah. I've uh, I'm known as Johnny Decon Seed, where I just go and plant little <laughs> seeds of teach workshops, and then and then selfishly I do it because uh, you know the money, the outrageous I'm amount sure of money you make in improv, uh, yeah. private jets <clears throat> to go to Mexico, but also and just teach it. Yeah, <laughs> but also just selfishly. I just want to. I want more places where the decon happens, so I can do it and I can see it, mm-hmm. and I can feel like I did my part. And uh, yeah, so I'm I'm sort of known as uh, the guy when people are like, "Oh, you want to learn the deconstruction?" I I, I would think my name pro- probably comes up top five minimum. Sweet. I, I would probably. Say. It well, does with um, me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Decon. Okay. Well. <clears throat> Let's just assume that the baseline is that people who are listening to this episode know what improvisation, improvisational Perhaps. is. I think You're so. You're very... You never okay. know, right? Because we have listeners all over the world, but um, if you don't know what improv comedy is listen to one of our previous episodes on improv where red door and amazing nice. improv team oh, talks about <laughs> their love for improv and death oh, randomly they decided to choose two <laughs> topics in one um, of course well there's two then, of them so, yeah. <laughs> there's two of them and then come back and uh yeah let's just jump right in so deconstruct mm-hmm. the deconstruction i guess let's hear the short version of what is this oh of course <clears throat> um Welcome back, everybody that just went and listened to that. Yeah, podcast. and thanks for the um, listen. Maybe we'll get very much a, Blue Chew ad soon that we can. Yeah, get some get five star reviews. I would love the two of you guys coming up with a Blue Chew uh, ad. Uh, so there's two there's two quick ways to sort of describe it. Um, I also tell anybody that will listen, uh, and it's fewer and fewer people as the years go by. But if you if you can't describe your improv show without using the word improv, you have to go back to the drawing board because unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Like all other art, people uh, improv is still long form improvisation. Modern long form improvisation is still fairly young art form, and uh, unfortunately, we have to fight against a lot of people's preconceived notions of what that is. To my example, is that is no one goes sees no one no one goes to a club and maybe sees an, an inexperienced band that's like straight out of high school and haven't been together for a long while. They've got a couple originals that aren't that are okay, and maybe they mostly do cover songs of everything else, and even those are okay. No one watches that and goes, oh, man, I'm not enjoying this very much. I'm never going to see a band again. Music is terrible. <laughs> Music is the dirt worst. But for improv, people will do that. You go, like, oh, come see my improv show. And that person will be like, I saw improv once. It, it's not for me. It's like, no, you saw a level three grand show. It's not the same thing. Yeah. It's not the same thing as very, what we're doing. Very true. <clears throat> and it's like stand-up yeah. is that art form, too, where you, you watch people practice often. Yeah. And, uh, and it's like... We've all had that, you know. I've watched a lot of stand, uh, open mic for a long time, and then you don't see a real, you don't uh, real stand up show. Like you don't go see oh, yeah. Chris Rock. Then you finally do. You're like, you know what? I'm gonna pay the thirty bucks or whatever. And you do, and you're like, oh no, I actually do like stand up. I don't hate everything yeah. about it because I've just been watching the wrong stuff. 
Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's the sort of same thing. I usually can go down to it. It's like, all right, well, what night did you see it? It was a Monday night, right there. I'm going to stop you. Can't, <laughs> can't have been all that. Can't been all that good. So the, for the deconstruction, I usually say when people are like, oh, what's the deconstruction? If I'm amongst polite company, or or you know at a uh, some sort of work event for uh, a significant other people who are not artists, you know, they go, oh, what's the deconstruction? I go, oh, it's an unscripted one act play about the dark joy of the human condition. And that usually sounds interesting wow. enough where people go, oh, okay, that tracks. And then for uh, for the hip people of us who are, who are definitely into improv and drank the Kool-Aid but may have not been exposed to decon or like, hey, I, I, I took a workshop once. It was like an eight-week class, and one week we spent uh, – out of the eight, we spent on decon. Or I have a friend that, <clears throat> that was on a decon team in another city, and they kind of described it to me, but I don't really understand it. What is it, BOC? I go, oh, okay. Well, the deconstruction is equal parts – a philosophy as it is a long-form structure, uh, a piece. If I usually say the Herald is, the Herald is sort of the base uh, form that everyone sort of learns at the beginning, that's the three-minute pop song. You know, it's uh, it's the early Beatles. It's Love Me Do, I Want to Hold Your Hand. I Want to Hold Your and Hand. Then when you get, yeah, and then when you get into the decon, that's when you start starting doing more stuff like... White Album? White Album, Abbey Road, those kind of mm-hmm. things. JTS Brown is where you start doing uh, Magical Mystery Tour and Sergeant Peppers and all that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> You're trying to tell a longer story. And just the idea is like uh, we are trying to take a single scene, a single relationship, and deconstruct that in all the myriad ways that we can so that the audience can learn, can leave the show feeling like they've learned something about those characters and about themselves. Uh, the decon kind of sort of hand in glove with my uh, sort of catch-all phrase that I've said a thousand times when people ask me what I believe in when it comes to improv. It's that our job is to replicate recognizable human behavior and present in in such a way that the audience recognizes their own humanity, reveals that revelation through the form of laughter, so we can have a longer discussion and deeper transaction of ideas on how to heal the world. Uh, TLDR version, be interesting. You are already interesting, so just be you. And the decon really, uh, decon and position play and all that great stuff that I learned from the old man, from Miles Stroth, all kind of sort of go hand in hand. So that <clears throat> is what the deconstruction is. The form itself, it sounds like calculus, but really it's it's deceptively simple. On paper, it sounds difficult. As I explain, it sounds difficult. But once you put it up on its feet, it's actually one of the easier forms because it is so streamlined. It's just asking you to do a certain things a certain way. If the, if the Herald is algebra, the, the deconstruction is, it feels like calculus. But once you sort of get a, a, a basic understanding of it then everything just looks like geometry everything is just shapes and colors you start with a realistic scene that's about five to seven minutes long you deconstruct it after that with some thematic scenes some commentary scenes you uh return to that realistic scene as we go along the way and then you know you have a bunch of crazy wild scenes because pretty much all improv starts off slow and smart ends fast and funny and you end with a fourth and final version of those characters where usually if you go back in time uh, you, uh, it gives it that nice Greek tragedy, that sense of pathos of like where the audience knows more about what's going to happen to the characters than the characters do, and then the lights go out and they feel like they've watched something being done on purpose, which is uh, sort of my my low bar when anyone ever asks me like, all right, well, what are we doing wrong? I'm like, I, I don't say I'm, I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong. They're just like, well, what do you want to see more out of improv where you travel all these different places, BOC? Um, and I go, I just want to see stuff that looks like it's being done on purpose. Just this morning, I was having a conversation with my husband and my father-in-law about, well, improv, uh, that improv has to look like it's been, you know, it was done on purpose, it was scripted. And in the the same way, 
the, the reason that came up is because we were talking about Nathan Fielder's rehearsal and we're saying how everybody suspects, Love everybody it. keeps suspecting like naturally that this was all staged and we know that it wasn't. <coughs> so, but yeah. it's in, in that same way. Uh, anyway, that's just like, I, I feel like my brain is already firing off and all cylinders and we're just oh, yeah, I want to jump surface. back on the stage. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, that's a good segue <laughs> to Sasha, mm -hmm. deconstruction. Sasha, you've done improv, I've d done improv, but have you done the decon? I've done it, but uh, I think I belong to one of this, uh, you know, the category that uh, BOC described just now of people who, yeah, <coughs> like I've taken a class where mm -hmm. we've done a little bit of deconstruction as part of other forms that we learned, and and maybe once in a while we would hit it haphazardly, like instead of mm -hmm. really putting our heart into it, which I feel like to really, I'm already like feel like from just listening to you, yeah. uh, BOC <coughs> just now that uh, that's not the way to approach this form. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, part of it, part of it, you can approach it. There's nothing wrong with approaching it as just a learning exercise. And it's something that you're not, you know, <clears throat> interested in doing professionally or seriously, for lack of a better term. Also, there are two different versions of the deconstruction out there. There's the one that I learned from Miles Stroth, who was part of the team, the family, the legendary team, the family that studied with Dell and sort of invented the, it, not sort of invented the deconstruction um and miles felt like when they when the family tended to have their best shows they tended to go like this and that's the because he's a very mental player in that way and he no one thinks about improv more than the old man not even me and so this is sort of the structure and format and that's what he taught to me in my first group and i've just kept kept doing it that way keep doing it the way i'm like it just works it just works um that's why i've dedicated uh, you know a third of almost half of my life to it uh, at this point uh, but there is a different version of the deconstruction that is out there that is equally valid i don't think it's as aesthetically pleasing to the audience or is artistically rewarding to the players which is why i which is why i always say both of them are equally valid but here's why i choose this one because of the aesthetically pleasing nature to the audience and a greater chance of that and also a greater chance of a risk reward for the for the players <clears throat> artistically um the other version of the decon which is just one base scene uh, the not being realistic and being grounded, but more with the focus on trying to shove in as much material as humanly possible yeah. so that people on the back line will have stuff to do. And that seems sort of, sort of more akin to like an Armando or an ASCAP right. where we're doing a scene instead of a monologue. Again, those aren't bad. And, the, and anyone that teaches you that, um, I'm not going to say that they're wrong. Please don't quote me for that. Go come back to the podcast and listen to where I definitely do not say that. <laughs> but I will say that like, I, I, I don't have any interest in that version. I usually, when people ask me to teach that version, I'm like, I'm, I'm not the right guy for that. Um, also, it's, uh, I'll just say it. I, I tried to, I tried to read the UCB handbook three different times, and each time I just like nodded off because it reads like stereo instructions. It's not a great. And one of those times, <clears throat> it's not. <laughs> one of the times is where I just went straight to uh, the deconstruction part and started reading about that, and again, I, I couldn't. I couldn't make it like six sentences in without being furious. So I was like, this is not good. Stop mm -hmm. doing it. I, I love all of them. Ian Roberts has never been anything but uh, great to me. Matt's a Shout great guy. Shout out to all of these peeps. <clears throat> yeah, well, uh, obviously Amy has done more for improv than I'll ever do uh, in my life. Uh, and then and then Besser's Besser. So uh. <laughs> he's, al he's, al he's always been nice to me. I don't know what I did, but uh, he's always been nice to me. So yeah, so those um, are the two different versions. Yeah. Cool. Well, Joe, are you familiar with either version? I am a master of the second version. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm a big proponent of it. 
Uh, no, I actually took uh, BOC's forms class. Had a short-lived yeah. econ team that formed Way from that class. Um, so did it then and really enjoyed it. Um, I do like the structure of it while it's still, um, you know, no one's putting a gun up to your head and saying, hey, you missed that scene. So, and of course, as you do it more, I'm sure you're not even thinking about the structure BOC. Mm. You're just, you, you, you know it. It's it's kind of prime. no yeah now now people do that when they ask me to give an example I usually just say okay well give me a scene or just give me a scenario of like oh it's a mother and a daughter and it's prom night and she doesn't want her daughter to go because she doesn't like her prom her daughter's prom date because he's black because she's a racist and I'm like great that's the scene and then I'll just I'll just do the decon like within three minutes I'm like yeah and then the scene would happen you probably do one of these and then just go through it I'm like and then you end it like that and they're like uh, I'm like how did you just do that in two minutes I'm like that is not two minutes that is 20 years distilled into two minutes like you know you're a martial artist if you play instruments anything like that it's like i can't believe how that person did that thing i'm like you got drums back there i'm like like i can't believe that like i'm like that didn't happen today yeah that took decades of learning yeah 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 Yeah, exactly exactly Uh, how many times do you think um, since we're just talking pull it out of your butt pull it out of your butt boc for all of us how many times do you think you have done the entire deconstruction show Oh, um, done it. I, um, that includes in rehearsal or just in in front of people. I just, uh, I think rehearsals are included if it's a full, if it's a full, if you've done the full thing, yeah. Yeah. Thousands, thousands. I even, I do a one person show called The Three Insane Rituals where I do a decon, a foil, and a rolling herald back to back to back. And so whenever I go and uh, perform, I've done it in Detroit, I did it in, in Los Angeles a couple times. I think maybe Phoenix. I can't remember all where I've done it. Um, but that takes that takes a lot of rehearsal. So like mm-hmm. yeah, easily mm-hmm. thousands thousands of times. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Oh, God, I've probably I probably Herald. watched even more. I haven't thought about that? a Rolling Herald in a long time, and this, just thinking <laughs> yeah. about it, I'm tired. <laughs> it uh, does it does have that it does have that uh, and, uh, and just to to <laughs> cap off that, if I've done it, I will say like I remember. Uh, you being our coach, BOC, not mm-hmm. necessarily for the decon, but for the our movie form team. For the movie, yeah. And mm-hmm. I don't think my brain has worked as hard since in a really good way. I mean, we'd be sweating by awesome. the end of it. Uh, mm-hmm. I really missed that level. I mean, we were we were doing something. Yeah. We were really doing something. Even if it was just 11 p.m. Uh, on a Tuesday night in a black box theater rented out just for practice. Yes. Yeah. We did yeah. something in those rooms, so uh, there's something just really magical about uh, about the stuff. Yeah. When you're not just uh, improvising, but you're trying to apply these forms, and they're hectic, they're complicated in some ways. And I do want to say for those for listening, sure. uh, BOC, in some ways you're kind of making it sound like this is just this thing that you do and it's nothing. But this is, I would say, if you go look up improv stuff, the improv wiki... Uh, mm-hmm. You said it yourself with the UCB book. I mean, the deconstruction is a staple, a mainstay kind of. It is. It's discussed. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's equally a mainstay of long form improvisation, especially like the modern Chicago style, and also uh, extremely niche. Right <laughs> at the same time, because no one wants to is... do it when they're starting. <clears throat> right? Like, yeah. I mean, well, I do it uh, almost always when this happens, whether if I'm teaching in a class or a workshop or as part of the pack theater or 
if I'm traveling and doing a workshop, <clears throat> a lot of people fall in love with decon and immediately be like, where can I see this? Where, where's it? Do you know of anything? <laughs> is there a team? Is there an online? I'm like, no, you, you have like, to do it. to see. <laughs> yeah. They're like, they're like, why? I'm like, cause it's hard. And I don't, I don't begrudge anybody. It is improv is a, and a lot of people do improv and, and no judgment. I don't, I never want to yuck anybody's yum, but a lot of people do improv because of the instant gratification of our art form. <clears throat> you can do something. It takes a year to two years to even more to make a movie, right? Or to maybe 10 to 15 years to make a documentary, but you can get up with some of your friends, do some stuff on improv stage and get laughs and feedback and, and feel that joy and get that dopamine almost immediately to to take that and then tell these people like, yeah, but now you're going to do that. But with this thing called decon, it's going to take a long time. Like uh, the first time, my first team, we, we, we rehearsed two nights a week, two hours a night, and also got together to like hang out with each other and pick each other's brains and get to know each other better off stage so we could be better on stage. We did that for eight months before we did our first show. And a lot of people look at you like a dog that's been shown a car trick and be like, why would you ever mm -hmm. do what, what mm -hmm. just do a montage? <clears throat> and then so sometimes two people will show up and be like, we loved your class. If we put together a decon team, would you coach us? I'm like, of course I would. Absolutely. I would love that. I would want to see more decon. I'm very flattered. Thank you so much for liking it. All right. We've got five people right now. We're going to try to get two more so we can have seven. I'm like, okay. Uh, do you guys want to hazard a guess how many times I've ended up coaching a team that came out of that right. conversation? Right. It's because yeah. it takes a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of commitment. Yeah. Do you think a yeah. big reason for it too is, I mean, for people who um, are familiar with improv shows and whatnot from the big theaters, usually have mm -hmm. like Herald Night, which is the like yeah. what the school teaches the form. Yeah, like a house teaches. team night of some sort. Yeah, yeah. usually Herald. Yeah. And that's popular because it's usually the student show or like the show that's going uh, kind of you're going to graduate from a student to do that. But yes. I think other than that, like a Herald night doesn't bring in the numbers. And like Wednesday night is decon night. Nobody knows that on a poster, less, less numbers. on a poster that yeah. doesn't look great versus like we're doing improvised Jurassic Park on Wednesday. You're like, okay, I'm going to show up for that. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin McShane used to have a great workshop, which I've begged him for years to bring back. But he's like, no, the world has changed too much now. He used to do a great uh, workshop called uh, Stop Begging Your Friends, how to promote your improv, how to promote market your improv show. <clears throat> and a lot of that stuff was that of like, it was like, of like, I got to know, I got to know what your show's about from the title of your show. Mm -hmm. Kind Strangers presents the improvised Tennessee Williams. Bam. I know what that yeah. is, right? I know exactly what that is. The Lusty Horde, the improvised beat, you know, sci-fi fantasy adventure. Bam. I know the, the resistance, like all that stuff. You know, khaki and dassy doesn't mean shit to mm, anyone yeah. that isn't someone that already knows those people who are already going to be showing up anyway because they're like, oh, Krakowski and Bob Dassey doing, doing a two-person? Mm -hmm. Why Why is it not Why is it not Dassey Risky? Oh, Tal Rico's out of town. Oh, okay, okay. None of that comes across to the lay person. <clears throat> and he also, he also called it. <laughs> I was in the class. I was at one of the uh, Los Angeles I.O. festivals. I was taking the workshop. Uh, and he was like, uh, O'Connell, I uh, hate to do this to you. Did not know you're going to be here, but and then like the next slide was uh, Gargiulo O'Connell, me and Neil's two person. <laughs> he's like, he like uh, hate this name. Don't know how to pronounce it. Don't know how to spell it. There's a goddamn apostrophe in the middle of it. Worst improv team name in the in the uh, <laughs> in the, in the club, buddy. I was like, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. That's funny. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. mean, the construction just by itself <laughs> makes me think of like people like Roland. 
Bacht and like um, yes. uh, Noam Chomsky and, and Chomsky. I'm sorry. See, I don't yeah. know how to say his last name. It's like semiotics or like like study of like language, like things that are super nerdy. And I was into them for like two years when I was 14 years mm -hmm. old. But I haven't hit up since then because like yeah. um, my brain is just not uh, as full of itself probably anymore. But you know, it does has that like very like technical mm -hmm. technical vibe that it's like only for the nerds and there is no direct uh path from deconstruction to being on the herald night which is immediately oh. a huge <clears throat> turn off let me let me tell you uh for a long time uh so i my first team was the happy time rainbow bunny squad and we uh we were doing our shows and we were good because again we put on all that crazy amount of work and we all had chips on our shoulder and we really really wanted to do decon and so when you do, yeah, two rehearsals a, a week for eight months and then you do your first show, like, we, we nailed it. We crushed it. And eventually, Miles was like, you know, these guys are great. I taught them. So, of course, they're great, you know, which is a very mild statement. <laughs> and he talked to Sharon and he talked to James. And he was just like, they should be on they should be on that house team night. You know, Tuesdays and Wednesdays are our Herald team night. <laughs> and we did our first show. And, boy, did, I don't know if it was because of our youth or our attitude or just a combination of, a, you know, the stars – misaligning but there were a lot of people who were mad that we were doing deconstruction on herald night like people like really found that a hill to die on once you look back now you go like I, even at the time i was like this is ludicrous uh <clears throat> but looking back now you're like this is even dumber to the point where our first um the person who was hosting that night and i'm still friends with them so i won't say their name uh i'm sure they're embarrassed by it um they came out the host of that night we were the we were the hour and we were the second group and there was like, all right, everybody, that was, you know, Chuckle Fox or whatever their name was, uh, like a, doing a Herald. Now this next team is doing a little something different. They're doing the deconstruction because apparently they're too good to do a Herald. Oh, we were no. like, yeah, that's always the attitude. Oh, wow. not, not <clears throat> what a, is the not attitude? Bigger faux pas as a host <clears throat> to do that than it is yeah. to do a decon uh, instead of the Herald. But yeah, so... there is a lot of like this tribalism within improv where that stuff it's occurs. Weird. And I hate purity tests. I hate them across the board, but I especially hate them in improv. There's no such thing as cheating in improv. I had a, I had a the same thing in wrestling. Like I'm a big pro wrestling fan, and I was like, "Hey, I've got a spare ticket to the show. You want to go?" He's like, "No, I've got no respect for that guy or the deathmatch wrestling stuff that he does." You know, uh, and I, I was just like, "Okay, I don't want to say because I want to out him, but I'm just like, his his the current gimmick he was doing at the time was so ridiculous. I was like, I cannot believe you're the same person saying I." I don't respect, you know, that's ruining wrestling. I'm like, dude, you are doing clown shit right now. You are doing straight up birthday clown level <clears throat> of comedy. And both of them I find are great, which is the only reason I even asked you, like, hey, do you want to go to this show with me? Because I love you so much. So it's the same thing with improv and that stuff. And at the time, I'll be perfectly honest, I was like, all right, well, uh, fucking die mad because we're better. And if you don't like it, go out and do a better show than we do. How about that? Uh, which probably was the wrong way to go about it and probably did not make us any more friends well, <laughs> on top of it. True, but uh, yeah, it sounds like you weren't going to make friends in that yeah. context uh, regardless. Yeah. You were not there and, to, to make friends. Yeah. No, like, like a reality show. I'm not there to make friends. I'm glad that you bring up like Noam Chomsky and all that kind of stuff because it's like, yeah, I, I, I definitely see the correlation to that, the idea of it being a hip crowd. I have thought several times about, man, I'm like, man, I might just take, am I taking this to the wrong place? Like, I should, should I be taking, you know, should I be taking this to like, you know, Germany, some Eastern uh, Bloc right. countries, 
Some places, some places that have some, like some really brutalist architecture. I bet I they would. I bet dig Berlin, the shit Ber- out of in this. Berlin, like improv, <clears throat> whatever, it would go really well. Oh yeah, Berlin, or like also there was a. I went to Switzerland once, and there was a great. There was a great like sort of like uh, bar that was attached to the hostel, and it was a couple of Americans there who were like hosting the open mic night. They thought they thought they were pretty good with their guitars, and you know doing like Amy by like pure Prairie League and that kind of stuff. And then uh, I was there for a TV show, so I had to get up and perform. And then they were like, ooh, that's not, I'm like, yeah, I kind of do this for a living. Sorry. Uh, and then, yeah, that kind of memory. I was like, oh, man, I bet if I brought Deke on here, mm. all the expats all the expats would be like, finally, something in English. <clears throat> but also, also the locals would be like, this is of quality material, and I appreciate you. Tell me more about the, the, the destruction of the thing. It's deconstruction. Ah, yes, yes, destruction, deconstruction. <laughs> so that, it's uh, a slow destruction. Um, yeah, slow destruction. Piece by piece. So should we like <clears throat> no, get a little even deeper into sure how right um, Joe? You what want. do you think? Right? Yeah, you know, and I'm. It's it's a strange one with this because you love improv. Period. Full stop. Exclamation. Full stop. Question yep. mark. But <laughs> the decon. Cross out. Yeah. <laughs> Interrobang. All of them. Dan Baird. I got all of them. Um, but the decon, you know, obviously you've been shepherding it for years. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to definitely get into like the why that, why, why not Harold, not so much the why not, but just the why right. in comparison to these other forms or other things you could be doing. Yeah, that's a good question. Cause it's also, I uh, just, this is the time I also remember reminding myself that I still have my old notes from that first day. <clears throat> Let me see here if I get it. Oh, that's all old stuff. Uh, so yeah, like this is my my notebook from the f- notes, the first class, the Maybe first a rehearsal we had. have been drunk on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's not as in more. bad shape as as some of my old notebooks. True, I can. Yeah, yeah it's it's missing the tops, but like I definitely have. Um, it's from the very first. Uh, yeah, the very first rehearsal was. Yeah, there it is. January. Uh, oh god, that's a terrible. 19- January twenty second. <clears throat> January twenty second of uh, yeah nineteen forty five. Oh, uh, oh! I I also have a time machine. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, January January twenty second of two thousand four was my first decon rehearsal with Miles and uh, wow. what became known as the Happy Time Rainbow Bunny Squad. Um, I think I just got very very lucky that as a lot as a lot of people find improv usually watch your first improv show and you're like I got I want to, I want to do that mm-hmm. I have to do that. Or you get like, oh, I could never do that, but now I'm obsessed with it, and that fear drives you into class, or the obsession drives you into class. And I just got very lucky that um, when I found IO, I found the right kind of, you know, a more relationship-based narrative <clears throat> um, style. I found it at the right time where the boom, the boom hadn't, uh, you know, the in Los Angeles specifically, probably 2006 through like 2012. 2014 maybe like we're really was just improv was running on all cylinders mm-hmm. <clears throat> there were so many talented people in there ucb had just come out in 2006 and really sort of kicked it off so i found it in like 2003 2004 right as the crest was right as the wave was going to start uh building the tsunami and i found miles <clears throat> who uh miles stroth uh the first you know level five class i had with him 10 minutes in i was like shut up and take my money Whatever you're buying, whatever you're selling, I'm buying. Yeah. And so, and back then, when you got Miles, the first eight weeks he just taught, the eight week class was him just teaching deconstruction, and so many of us just, I got again very lucky that there's a lot of talented people in the room who all 
who all drank the Kool-Aid at the exact same time as I did. Mm. And so Miles had been retired from coaching at that point, and he had, he had been retired. He was like, I'm tired of putting teams together, doing stuff for a couple months, and then right around the time that we start doing the good work, <clears throat> everybody fucks off and goes somewhere else. And then, you know, I'm staring at three people go in rehearsal going, hey, he's where everybody else? I don't know. He's like, I don't want that. And so then th- there was yeah. three different groups. There was three different groups that approached him and said, we are dedicated. We want to do this art form. And he said, okay, well, here are the 10 people that I th- I deem are worthy of my teaching. And that, uh, <laughs> of those three groups, there's a lot more than 10 people altogether. He just literally said, oh, here's all the people that want to do this? Cool. I don't give a shit what group you guys are in. Wow. Here, across the board, here's the 10 people. And then here are my demands. I want a two-year commitment. I need uh, 50 bucks a night cash. I need two hours of rehearsal twice a week, plus a third day you guys all hang out. You watch a movie together. You have a potluck. I don't get, go see a movie. I don't give a shit. <clears throat> but you have to hang out with each other outside of class. Um, and I'll I'll say when you guys go on show, when you go on stage for the first time, don't book any shows without me uh, because I'll quit. Um, I, I'm putting my name on this, so it's going to happen. And we all sat at my house in, uh, in Mount Washington, 919 Open Drive, and we all went... Are we going to do this? And we all went, yeah, we're committing to that. We're, we're going to go back and say, yes, we're going to do that. We added, we had an 11th member because uh, Mike Bellavio had was a year. He had taken a, a, a term off cause he had promised his second city group that they would all, they would all do their grad level together and do their show together. And so we begged miles and we're like, look, you're going to have him in class next term. If you don't like him, <clears throat> you can cut him. But for now, just we're going to have him on the team. He was like, all right. And then we kept him. So that, that was the 11 of us that made up the original uh, happy time rainbow bunny squad. And it was just everything I wanted from, like, I, I played sports, um, and I missed group sports. I did uh, high school debate, you know, forensics. <clears throat> I love that team camaraderie. I was in bands for forever and ever, and it kind of had all the communal and creative stuff that I loved in this one place that was also cherry on top. Hey, you're, uh, you're a good person. You, your life has value. And uh, it was the first thing I had ever found in my life. Uh, that said that I was enough. Um, I, I was successful. I, I suffered. I suffered from ideation and depression for years and years and years. From the age of age of thirteen to twenty four, I thought about killing myself every single day of my life. It's the best act you will have ever seen me do. Uh, is one of those days. And then finding improv and finding that sort of that gift for that, and then finding it in a way that if you put enough effort into it, it could become replicable. <clears throat> when I mean replicable, I mean being having going out and having a successful scene a scene that worked and made sense and everybody knew why you were doing it and you com- you were able to communicate that uh, thought to the audience and they went yes through nods or claps or laughter or <gasps> you know, or whatever and then uh, and then having a genius who I, I obviously I'm biased but Miles Stroth is a genius if you if you want to do improv and you have not studied with him you are fooling yourself you're just fooling yourself uh, and so I just it was the perfect spear point and I was like well this is a thing that I'm gonna do for the rest of my life. Easy. And uh, it sounds like deconstruction is def- deconstruction <coughs> is definitely the type of form that causes more of different emotional reactions from the audience as opposed to just Oh laughing. yeah. Yeah, I'm not trying to get someone to laugh. I'll take a I'll take one oh over a thousand laughs cuz now I've got you. Uh yeah, quick side note you know, again because me and Miles are I, I call myself Miles Jr. I make no bones about it. We used to do a two-person show that was very philosophically. We didn't do the the straight like deconstruction of like this scene now this scene followed by these scenes, <clears throat> but it was definitely infused with the deconstruction as philosophy. And I was playing 
I was playing a nine-year-old kid, and oh, maybe seven. I think I was seven, and he was my dad, explaining that you know that they were getting a divorce. I'm like, is it? Is our mommy and daddy getting divorced because it's my fault? No, 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 no. Sometimes mommies and daddies have to like separate from each other just so they can learn how much they love each other again. That that's all it is. And there were the scenes taking place in the kitchen, and so I turn and go to the refrigerator and come back and be like, I drew this in school and got a gold star. Tell mommy she can have it if she stays, right? And then some some poor young white girl in the second row went oh <laughs> and then of course me and miles are me and miles are psychopaths and we went oh you care about this kid yeah well now allow us to twist the knife <laughs> now we know what direction to go, go. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah so that kid got leukemia it was a bad oh. divorce uh the scene was like i guess i'm gonna have to take you fishing because i have to be your your mother and your father now uh, and then she she falls out of the boat, and beca- my mother falls out of the boat, and because of my chemotherapy, I'm too weak to pull her back in, and she drowns. I can't believe I'm laughing about this. It's gross. <clears throat> and then we go back to the scene, like, is it my fault that mommy's dead? Yes. And God, God bless Johnny Archer, a uh, real asshole piece of shit as a human being. But as a lighting guy, he was on point because he knew us well enough to know don't pull the lights there. And he just waited, and me and Miles just both turned and looked at that girl as if to say, this is your fault. And like, <laughs> and like, and like Walter White at the end of Breaking Bad episode, where he's just like, she was like, <gasps> and then the lights went out. She was like, this is my fault. And then she's immediately in darkness. That is the dragon that the deconstruction gives you. That is the dopamine high that like pretty much no other improv form can deliver something like that in that moment where that woman is just like, Oh no, I killed a boy with cancer. And then the lights go out and it's just like, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've been driving that ever since. That's, uh, yeah. That's, and that's, the that's truly the synergy of audience and um, <clears throat> performer that <clears throat> gives to be certain. Yeah. That's What's amazing. the uh, uh, name can... of that team. The, the two person team with you. And oh, oh uh, me and uh, me and miles was called the Billy miles because, um, <laughs> Melissa Oki, uh, my when I first started IO, I was a I paid for level one, and then I was like, I hear you guys do like work study or volunteers or something. I'll do that, and so I I, I worked as a as an intern to pay for all my other classes, and so Angela Kinsey was my first boss from the office. She's great, uh, but also her Melissa Oki who oversaw she was the office manager, and then Melissa Oki oversaw the interns, and then Britton Spellings was the bar manager, and all independently of each other misheard my name as being Billy and not Brian. And so they were like, I thought he was I thought his name was Billy Jack oh, right. <clears throat> And then from then on, they just call every, they everyone in the office just that version of the office just called me Billy. And so at the time we were like, oh the Billy Miles. That's why I always oh me and Jeff Hawkins, our two person show is, is <laughs> Billy Hawk. Also it's just that just sounds better than Brian Miles. Like yeah, nothing. I mean, I but uh, some would say that both are terrible <laughs> names. I have no idea what your show is about. So <laughs> they are. Yeah, Billy Hawk is an even more terrible name because if you Google Billy Hawk, you will find a very specific type of a uh, faux hawk haircut that is popular amongst gay men. So <laughs> e- even more makes for a good poster. Hard. Yeah, hard to find us. The deconstruction. If you type in my name, the deconstruction, you get a lot of hits. So it's uh, I'm like, okay, that works. That's, uh, that's good I have bad news for you. Uh, a recent no. uh, gay influencer just debuted a new haircut, and it's he's calling it the Brian James O'Connell deconstruction. I uh, am flattered and humbled and honored that anyone as cool as a gay person would use my name for, for, the, anything. for their new haircut. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. My, 
But there's a there's a there's a lovely sassy stand-up by the name of Mateo that I would love to meet in real life. He's so funny. Just look at Mateo stand-up comedy. You, I don't need. I don't even have to give you his whole Shout name. Out. Yeah, if you see the haircut, yeah. it's, it's not the haircut. So go down the results. Now, as far as this is, uh, you kind of alluded to this maybe uh, dying mm-hmm. out in some ways, the deconstruction and some <clears throat> possible oh, yeah. fears. Improv in general. Sure. We are def- <laughs> we're we are in a bear market. We're not in a bull market, to be certain. Yeah, uh, or what whatever is... the, the reverse of that is. <laughs> Is that is that something you worry about in any tangible way? And like, is there anything to do? Is there anything you plan um, to do beyond what you're doing, which is teaching? Well, that's why I'm trying to. That's why I'm trying to do it and go as many places as I can. Um, on the one hand, the uh, everything comes in cycles. <clears throat> uh, another ten years from now, improv will be big again, and also it comes in like. It depends on the the right combination of things. Like my friends in San Francisco are like, clowning is so huge in Los Angeles right now, probably bigger than it's ever been, mm-hmm. and even maybe on its own wax from the wane uh, since. Don't tell Chad I told that said that he'll be so <laughs> upset with me. Uh, but I have my friends in San Francisco who are like, it's so cute that you guys are doing clown. Uh, 10 years after we were doing it, and part of it is that San Francisco is sort of like shit on LA at all times, but also like true, like they had that sort of perfect time to come together. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a wax and wane like anything else. Everything comes in cycles. Uh, people started wearing bell bottoms again in the 90s. People started falling in love with guitars again in the 90s. We'll, we'll come Low back to guitars jeans. again. <clears throat> Low-rise jeans. Low-rise and then, yeah, I saw mom jeans come back, and all my... Yeah, all my female friends were like, absolutely not. We're not going back to low-rise jeans after we made mom jeans make it happen. We, we, we fought too hard to sacrifice. We're never going back, right? Um, and so there's some of that, but also I think it's sort of a good thing that the uh, what I call the improv as institution era is over. <clears throat> I see some of my friends getting sort of bummed out about it. I'm like, look. A lot of a lot of that stuff ended up being toxic. A lot of it ended up being mm. little tiny fiefdoms for people to be harmful to other people. For a long time, improv was something that you just did to hope that you could be one of the thousand people standing in line to get one of nine slots for a Herald team so you could play every Monday night and still not kind of feel validated and feel weird of, like, why am I not happy? Because it's not about fun anymore. It's not being like, oh, this is the thing I want to do with the rest of my life. And also, you know, people are upset now about it, but I'm like, Second City and IO and UCB are all owned by money. IO is owned by two real estate guys that don't know dick about comedy, have no history in comedy, have no love for comedy. Second City is owned by venture capitalists. You know what I mean? Like, right. hard, like straight up vulture capitalists. And then people are like, oh, they don't have any love for the art form. I'm like, they don't. And then, and then UCB is owned by a management company, so a talent management company. So I see a lot of my friends jumping up and down and being upset about, like, I'm like, these guys are they are venture capitalists. They don't give a shit about an art form. And honestly, nor should they. There's a lot. These guys are snakes. They're not bunnies. And you're getting real upset that these snakes are not bouncing around the way that you want them to. Like, those those theaters are gone. That era is gone. And so Liz put it best. She was like, improv, especially with the pandemic and all that, I'm trying to figure out, do we do Zoom? When's it safe to go <clears throat> back into live shows? And Liz put it best early. She was like, um... Because she's my girlfriend is also an improviser. She was like, "Look, improv is never going away. It's never going to die. It will come back. It's just going to be smaller and different." And I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. And even if I may be so bold, because I did travel a lot, a lot of the most interesting work was not taking place in Los Angeles, New York, San Francisco, or Austin, and Chicago, like the sort of five big 
you know, areas. It was in Cedar City, Utah. It was in Portland, Oregon. It was in Yiber City, Florida. Like, when I was traveling, I'm like, you know, Pawn Takes Queen, which is Wendy and TJ Penrod and Ryan McLean out of uh, Cedar City, Utah. I'll, I'll put any show. They're great. They do a one person. They do a, a, a monta or a mono scene, I should say. Um, one location mono scene. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll put their best shows up against any Dasarisky show. Hands down. I, I think they're doing some of the best improv in the country. And so it's more accessible now to a bunch of different places. I just don't know how we're going to build it up to that those people um, can be successful enough at it to keep the lights on, to keep the doors mm-hmm. open. Yeah, I mean, I just remember, like, I don't know, I'm guessing like seven, eight years ago, everybody Mm -hmm. was saying, this is right now, as we speak, the golden age of improv. And I think that golden age it was. And it's not going to be the same way. It's not going to be the same golden way. Yeah, it was able (laughs) to have that. The Los Angeles, the, the improv bubble burst in Los Angeles in 2018. I won't speak for any other uh community. But in 2018, I think uh, I think we were well into the bubble bursting of improv, and then when quarantine came around, that just threw gasoline on the fire. Mm-hmm. That just sort of wiped away. The good side of that, though, is it got rid of a lot of the assholes that were using our uh, the immediacy of our art form because they were too lazy and too chicken shit to do any other art form, like start a band or write material for a stand-up act or anything like that. They could just, you know, in, you know, lack of intentional uh, intestinal fortitude. And so they just came in, fucked around, dicked around, did shows, uh, yeah. and then steamrolled, <clears throat> and then went to the yeah. bar with their four friends who all told them how funny they were. Those guys got washed away during pandemic, and now they're on Twitch. And so now they're like, ooh, I can have the immediacy of just, I'm going to hear myself talk for an hour straight. I don't even have to worry about getting tagged out, mm-hmm. right? So so when we come back, we'll have a lot less of those. It'll be a lot safer for our, our women, our women of color, our people of color, our LGBTQI+, our non-binary folks. Our trans folks, great. Get rid of all those dicks. It's going to be smaller, but it's going to be a hell of a lot cooler once it starts building up again. Yeah, I think back to those times because, you know, I kind of stopped doing improv uh, as much because I was looking for things that would take more time, you know, writing books, crafting, uh, than being like, hey, all this energy, I successfully put this energy into improv and got to have really great experiences and do mm-hmm. great shows and stuff. What if I put that into things that were longer form and into a career based stuff, but I, even now as a I've better had, return on your investment, yeah, a better return on your investment. But yeah. I even think like now that I've had some accomplishments, not as many as I would like, but even just some career mm-hmm. stuff, I'm like, well, still, I don't know if I'm as fulfilled as those days <clears throat> where I was running mm-hmm. around the city doing shows, five shows a night, sometimes for one person. Amen, brother. I uh, I'm constantly doing the same thing where I'm trying to find a way to do. <clears throat> I'm trying to find a way to get uh, improv on television, and also uh, specifically the deconstruction, either on television or in a movie. I finally cracked the nut of how to do the decon movie, which was just like, oh, don't do a movie Ooh. about the deconstruction. Just have the structure of the movie instead of a classic three act structure. Just do the structure of the deconstruction. And I was like, oh, the first act is just That's a full awesome. decon. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I feel like no one else can do it uh, but me, so I feel fine saying it on the podcast. It's a very easy pitch. They go like, oh, you've made a movie. You're going to make a deconstruction movie. I'm like, yeah. They're like, what is it? I'm like, it's a comedy Jacob's Ladder. That's it. That's the show. That's mm. that's it. 
if you get if you get what Jacob's Ladder is, or if you go up to Wikipedia and you read that, you go, Jesus Christ, and it's going to be funny. Yeah, that's it. That's the decon. Uh, so I figured that. Out. And then another one I'm I'm finding right now. I'll send you. I sent you guys uh, in the chat. I sent you a link to like the new yeah, decon that I'm trying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's the thing where now when people ask me like, hey, uh, <laughs> they're like, hey, I want to do a deconstruction. Would you coach? I'm like, great. This is the only one I'll do now because again. I want like that return on investment. Um, hold on, I'm gonna try and open this up without playing it immediately, just so I can get the link. Um, yeah, so I'm like, this is that's the only version I'll do it. And then, uh, yeah, I got it. God, Vimeo wants to tell me the same information every single time. And it's like we, we we get it. Yeah, it's fine. Your account yeah, has been account. hacked. Change password. You're like, oh, stupid yeah, thing. Oh always my. the same thing. Come on. Um, yeah, so there's a uh, TV show idea, quarter hour. I just put that in for you guys as well, so you can watch it at your leisure. Because my thing I've been seeing a lot, uh, just for the state of our industry, is like, all right, I want to get deconstruction on the air. I want improv on the air. People tend to get about improv because they're like, ooh, there's not a script. That makes us, uh, there's a lot of money involved. We're very... But then I also thought, too, of like people are complaining about how networks and studios want everything for dirt cheap. They want to pay nobody nothing, right? Um, and it's, they don't. They especially don't want to pay creators. And I was like, all right, well, how can I use my improv skills to sort of solve this problem? And my problem is, is I want deconstruction up there. So I just found a way to be the cheapest show on their network and to use almost 80 to 90% uh, found footage, stuff that they already have in their archives. It's perfect for a streamer like Paramount Plus or Peacock or, or Amazon. Like, you owe all this stuff. Just give me the keys... I'll use I'll use the I've learned this from doing the animated show for Sci-Fi Channel. We use the NBC Universal like music and sound effect library. They have so much shit that they own. That I'm like, oh, this is just free for us to use. Like, yeah, we just own it. And I was like, all right, well, an episode of Mystery Iglesias with uh with Ga- <laughs> with Gabriel Iglesias on Netflix, which is a standard old school three person multicam uh, sitcom, is a million and a half dollars an episode. And everyone was like, oh, man, that's dirt cheap for, for what we're doing. And I'm like, great. Here's something that costs a tenth of that. It's me. It's me. It's two people in my staff writer's room and two editors. Say no. I dare you to say no. I can give this to you for anywhere from $35,000 to $150,000 an episode, and I'm still taking home a majority of that in my pocket. Say no. All I want to know is, uh, you know, if I'm sitting with a studio executive, I'm like, here's my – quarter hour deconstruction show that's made off of material that's already been shot here's how it works i've already made a pilot of it you like this great that's all it's going to be and say no uh, i'll be the cheapest show on your network by leaps and bounds just say no but bef- that's fine but before i leave i want to know what you're going to tell your boss when i go across the street and sell this and then you said no <laughs> to 35 grand an episode when mr iglesias is a million and a half rant over but like that's <laughs> Shout uh, out to Mr. Iglesias, most, fan yeah, of the Yeah, shout out to... Oh, no no disrespect. <laughs> Love Fluffy, man. That guy sold out Dodger Stadium. Respect all day. Uh, his shit is good. Um, but yeah, so I'm looking at stuff like that, like I'm trying yeah. to get Decon out in front of people, and then it just becomes ubiquitous. Then it's just mm-hmm. a thing that happens. I just have to be the first one to do it. And then I, then I can die. Then I know I've done my job as Johnny Decon seed. How far <laughs> along are you with uh, your idea for a Decon movie? Yeah, script, screenplay. <clears throat> oh, I already have the outline. I just need I just need three weeks where I yeah. don't need to uh, scramble for survival, pay rent, eat money, and then uh, find a window 
through all the other projects that I'm working on that are in great shape That's awesome. and doing cool things, but haven't like paid me money yet. Like I'm, oh, I'm yeah. the, I, I adapted the, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the writer on the official adaptation of the Anarchist Cookbook. And we're shopping that around right now, awesome. but like that's gonna be a minute before anyone pays me right. for that. So, yeah, so I'm I'm deep in on the the deconstruction. Once it once it clicked, I was like, oh, comedy Jacob's ladder. And then it was just like, had it all the way. Well, that's yeah. exciting. That'll be um, very Thank cool you. to see a movie. Hopefully, that is not a three act structure, one. but it's like mm-hmm. is asserting it t- itself yeah. as a completely different form while having yeah. structure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it it is and it isn't because it's like the deconstruction is meant to be a half hour piece. It's meant to be somewhere between twenty five and twenty eight minutes. The way it's structured with uh, a realistic scene, five to seven minutes long, followed by two thematic scenes, which are character driven scenes like two peas in the pod. Uh, those are each two to two and a half minutes a piece. Then the uh, realistic scene comes back. Those same two characters infused and informed by the thematic scenes, one for each one of the characters in the opening scene, followed by five commentary scenes, which are all logical, absurd scenes, a.k.a. straight absurd scenes. And those are really pure, short, right? <clears throat> 90 seconds, pure mm-hmm. game. Yeah, you go through the revolution of the bit, three, you know, hit... Back, you know, hit, hit, back off. Hit the game, hit the game, back off. Three, 30 seconds per revolution, three revolutions. We've made our point. Move on to the next one. Realistic scene comes back for 30 to 45 seconds. Same characters, same realistic, infused by that stuff that's come before. It's there to like remind everybody in the audience, don't forget about these two. These people are important. Don't forget about this right. mom and daughter. Uh, and then to kick off the run, which is a bunch of alternate reality scenes, crazy town, you know, anything. A lot goes. of A to C and A to Z. Z <clears throat> Absolutely, yeah. it's five. Mm-hmm. It's five to seven. It's five to seven minutes long. The run is five to seven minutes long, and uh, pace is as important, if not more important, than content. And you always have to say that twice to really get it home. Pace is as important, if not more important, than mm-hmm. content. You start mm-hmm. with thirty-second scenes, then twenty-five second scenes, then twenty, then fifteen, then ten, and five. And when you can't go any faster, you can't get any louder. It looks like a shark feeding frenzy. It's a ball of cacophony. It's that cartoon from the 30s where it's showing a fight between a dog and a cat but it's just like a, a dust cloud and like fists and legs coming out when you can't go any faster you can't get any louder and can't blow up the world anymore you go to a fourth and final realistic scene same mother and daughter <clears throat> and then it's not required but i always say if you if you go back in time to before the issue even if it's just 30 seconds before the first scene that you showed of these characters it will always work like i said it gives you that greek tragedy that sense of pathos whenever i felt bad about my own play i would just go and watch the level five grad shows that miles was still teaching and decon and and they would just do the form even after it's an eight-week class and after four weeks they're doing four weeks of shows along with the back end of their class and the lights would go out. I go. It just works. It just works. <clears throat> so and that so usually how, comes around about twenty. Yeah. Yeah. How does it adapt for 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 your script? Do you multiply by three each length? No. So what happens is that the um, traditional standard uh, screenwriting format is you know uh, three act structure. First act is you know twenty five to thirty pages. You got to hit that sort of you know inciting incident right on page twenty five to thirty. Uh, some people are like. If it's not right on 25, you're fucked up. I'm like, whatever. Then the second act is a little bit longer. You start putting, you know, hero's journey stuff. You start putting people, uh, <clears throat> you start of like putting obstacles in front of your characters, your your protagonists. You give your antagonist uh, a little bit more of a, uh, a leg up on the protagonist for whatever reason. You're also allowed to like stretch out a little bit more, have some softer spots where you can maybe do something more with character or tone that isn't just driving the plot forward. And then, you know, that usually is about anywhere from like 40, you know, pages or whatever like that, 45 to 55 pages. And then you get to the third act, 
which is 15, you know, anywhere from 20 to 15, some even say 10 pages. And now it's like the darkest hour is the end of your second act. And here comes the comeback. Here comes the end. We're going into the climax, and then you have like a couple of pages at the end where you're sort of leaning off. And so what I'm doing with a deconstruction movie is the first act is just a decon the way I just described it, five to seven minutes, all those different stuff. And so I'm sort of really setting out the whole thing. And then the beginning of the second act is where I reset it, and that's the first time where you go like, oh, is something off? Am I? Is this an unreliable narrator? Do I not like what's going on here? And for the, those of you that have watch Jacob's Ladder, or you can just go to Wikipedia and find out the ending of Jacob's Ladder, you'll immediately see how I'm getting away with it, and how I'm sort of doing... I'm following three-act structure, but I'm just making the first act the deconstruction, and then I'm doing all the different pieces that you would do after the realistic scene. I'm basically teaching... I'm taking the first act, doing a deconstruction, and the beginning of the second act, I'm treating the first act of the screenplay as if that was just the realistic scene, and I'm just doing more decon shit in the way it's supposed to be done now jacob flatter <clears throat> we're talking yeah. 1990 tim robbins film amen yeah it's a great movie it's one great of my movie. favorites great. and so yeah. yeah i was just talking about this with somebody the other day if you um if you go to wikipedia and just go to tim robbins uh filmography with the exception of one or two movies from 1999 1990 to 1999 he has an almost flawless decade there are really no stinkers in there. There's a couple in there that maybe have missed their mark, like Arlington Road or something like that. But pretty much he's just in one banger of a movie after another. Bob Roberts is probably the smartest movie about politics I've ever seen, and it's hugely prescient for what we're doing right now. And that movie came out, what, 92? 94? We'll never know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll never know. You'll look it up. Uh, yeah, We'll never know. Wikipedia doesn't exist. It stops there. Stop writing Tim Robbins, 1992. I think what uh, uh, audiences yeah. today will find really interesting is, uh, mm -hmm. as you just described the form of the deconstruction, if you were to go back and listen to this episode, we've been following the exact form. For the no way. way! We kind of have, haven't we? We kind of have. This is, this is how we get people to listen to the episode <laughs> twice and get twice as much as the yeah. ad revenue. And if you listen backwards, if you mm. play it backwards, you'll just oh, yeah. learn about this for it's basically the yeah. you teaching the workshop <clears throat> BOC. Yeah. yeah that's also why um that's one of the other pitches i had part of my pitch for the quarter hour television show is like i'm teaching like the best video games teach you how to play the video game while you're playing it the first the first opening screen of super mario brothers is the smartest thing ever because it's like hey this is how you jump this is how you run this is you knock this thing good stuff comes out of the stuff of the question marks you jump on that guy and he dies if you run into him you die end of list go enjoy the game and so i'm like my tv show teaches the person how to watch it while they're watching it and do you like easter eggs great because the entire thing is an easter egg do you like callback everything's a callback if there if i can find one thing like who knows like if I, if I take something from your library, a piece of an, an intellectual property, a piece of IP that has just been sitting in your archives doing nothing, and that ends up being the thing that everybody memes on Twitter, and that's the that's the audio that everyone does, you know, the, the mouth along on TikTok, great. That's the sh I, I am free audience, like, um, mm. oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, where they where they put people in a room, like, they, they audience testing, you know, yeah. test stamps. Yeah. Uh, test screenings. I'm like, I'm a. My show is just a test screening for your entire archives. And if someone falls in love with that thing and it becomes a culture moment, great. That's the one. That's the IP that you reboot, and make a TV show. If you get to make one TV show off of my TV show, my TV show has paid for itself right. ten times over. Just tell me no. Just tell me no. Somebody tell listening, no. tell him no. 
I yes, dare you. But also tell me yes, yeah. please hire me. We would like more yes. yeses than nos, but at least one no, <clears throat> yeah. please. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, stuff like that. This is, and again, this is stuff I think about all day, which is why I feel like the Irish Catholic guilt is kicking in now. I'm like, you know, you can, you can let them talk to BOC. Well, they um, get, they have to listen to us guess. every week, unfortunately <clears throat> for them. No, this is, this is absolutely perfect percentage and ratio of okay, good. yes to good. us talking. Which brings us to, I think, our next, uh, most exciting yes, chapter of this episode joe what are we talking about we're talking about the ratings this is how they work we're gonna rate the deconstruction on a scale of zero to ten using something else as our basis for that scale so that something could be another improv form you could say hey the herald is a 10 the decons is zero or you could even say hey a chocolate chip cookie is a 10 Mm. And a decon is a 10 because they're just as good. It really doesn't well, matter. Think, uh, and if yeah. that doesn't make sense, Sasha and I will go first. Do you no, I think it go? makes sense. I think I may want you guys to go first anyway. Oh, just we're definitely so going to go first. Sense. Yeah, because we're going to... Contractually, we have to go, go yeah. first. But I, but I will say in the spirit of improv, because we're talking about mapping, I don't think we want to do a one-to-one ratio of like... I guess another improv for We should probably be against something else. And then we, yeah. you know, we just map the decon on that. You know, in, in good sense of you know alternate reality scenes that this is true, what else is true? Mapping and consistency. It's like, all right, yeah, let's map it onto something else. I love that idea. This is already That's fantastic. way better than any of the ratings <laughs> we've ever done. Um, <laughs> Joe, do you have uh, your scale ready to go? Yeah, let's let's go with. I'm going to uh, rate it against the scale of let's say um, when you're uh, just filming something innocuous Mm. but then you end up catching something that would become a viral moment let's say in the background uh or let's you know what i'll describe one there's okay please please, please, there's a video of a a husband is recording his wife uh eating an ice cream cone classic Mm -hmm. melty Mm -hmm. ice cream cone uh just because they're enjoying their day together and whatnot and she is licking it. Then she looks behind her for a brief second w- while a bird, a dollop of bird shit lands on the cone and looks back just in time to lick up the dollop of bird shit. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And he never stopped her? It, it's really fast. Like, by the time she slurps it up, like, it's that fast. <laughs> and he just starts cackling because no okay. other, there's nothing else you can do. This is brilliant. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure anything can compare to that. Ground, grounds for divorce. <laughs> That's what Sasha's thinking. If my, if my husband let me like bird shit off of my, and then he posted it on, uh, exactly know, everywhere, even on top of it with him cackling in the background. I don't know. I think it's definitely something you'd have to bring up in in, in group. Yeah, it, it it's like a conversation. Him and the bird were in it together. They were in on it. You know, with the cackling. Yeah, the bird were- <laughs> it seems that like, way, but this is that the idea of him paying off the bird behind the house afterwards. That was good. It was right. Great timing, buddy. Thanks a lot. You buy you buy all the bird seed you want. And it, I mean, it's exactly that where you're like, this video is way too perfect for him not to have paid off the bird, but nonetheless, the bird was not paid off, and it just so happened. Stuff like okay, that's so is a that 10 the, out of 10. Is that zero or ten on the scale? Well, okay, that video, it, that yeah. video itself. Is is us. not yeah. is un- unrateable, but the idea of that type of uh, experience in video just happening from you just because okay. you hit 
record at that moment. Uh, that's a ten out of ten. We the internet lives off those moments. Got it. Got it. perfect. Yeah. The deconstruction as a student of it, as someone who's seen it performed, not as much as I would like. Haven't performed it as much as I would like. Um, you know what? It's a big piece of bird shit on a ice cream cone. It's a ten out of ten. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I love it. I love it. I, I think if we're going to be doing improv, I think uh, after spending so many years doing it, mm -hmm. a, you're better off devoting yourself to a form like that and devoting yourself to a yeah. lifestyle like that than mm -hmm. just using it as party time, fun times. It's the same amount of time. It's just, You get more out of doing, uh, giving yourself Absolutely. to it. So for that reason, it's a 10 out of 10. Excellent. Thank you. That reminds me too. Like I just found out the other day that there's a lot of, uh, cause I'm big into aphorisms and I use that as the suggestions for, for decons and rehearsals all the time. Uh, but I found recently that there are so many of the things, aphorisms are just short statements meant to elicit deep thought, you know, the <clears throat> witticisms, wisdoms, all that brevity is the soul of wit is the perfect. Very aphorism 18th century. Very 18th cause it's century. The, yeah. If you don't um, use it, you lose it. Yeah, but the two, the two, there's so many of them that we use actually wrong because we have shortened them. Uh, my my three favorites are recently. We don't have to get into it, but uh, the shithead that's uh, the dumbest human being on the planet that's ruining Twitter. Um, he was like, yeah, vox, you know, vox populi, vox men. Like the whole phrase oh, in, right. in Latin when translated is. Um, don't listen to the voice of the people because that's usually in the mob where the madness comes from. So it's like number one, using it completely wrong. I also found out the uh, the customer is always right. The customer is always right. Continues on to in manners of taste. So if someone wants to buy an ugly hat, don't try and talk them out of it. You just sell them that ugly hat. But that doesn't mean they get to tell you how to run your business. It's not the customer oh, is always right. Period. It's the customer is always right in manners of taste. Makes because more that's what sense. Customer services. Yeah. Yes, and then my favorite one that I just learned that means that we've been doing it completely the wrong way the entirety of the time that any of us have ever learned it or used it is that a jack of all trades, master of none, none. Continue, continues on with, but better than master of one. A jack of all trades, master of uh, a master of none, but better than a master of one. Where it's the idea of like dedicating yourself to this one specific craft, this art form, will actually lead you to be better into other things and it's okay if you are better than these other things but it's just like oh if you try a lot of different stuff or if you try a decon if you try an improv if you just do this one thing well that's you know it's better that you uh you know it's better that you don't do that like no that's the exact opposite way that we've yeah been doing i could i can get time. on a whole uh tangent about how and i think joe yeah. and you and i did at some point with jay with my husband that it's mm -hmm. it's better to actually be good at multiple things than yes. one. But we're not gonna get into that right now. We'll, no, no, we'll have a no, separate no. episode about that. Yeah, that but, sounds, um, sounds like it. We'll schedule but, it right uh, now. I mean, VOC <laughs> is the ultimate uh, multi hyphenate, so he he agrees. Um, I, I am gonna. It's, it's hurt my career. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's been proven false in your career, but uh, here we go. <clears throat> I uh, recently got into vipassana meditation, meditation that is very ancient, and it has to do with basically the original mindfulness meditation, where you track Ooh. all your experiences, like thoughts and uh, everything else, through six senses that you have. In Buddhism, you have six senses, yes. which is uh, uh, the eyes like you, you see you hear you smell um and then the mm -hmm. um thinking mind the feeling body um and i'm probably missing something else 
But um, the point is that I've gotten into this where I'm like really <laughs> listening to this one master. His name is Shenzhen Yan. And he, he, well, I got into him like a few years back, but I really got into his uh, book, The Science of Enlightenment. Anyway, he talks mm -hmm. about when you get into really high states of meditation. So I've been meditating, but you get in a really high state of meditation after meditating for years and years and 10 years and 20 years and 50 years. You start seeing any experience as just the space contracting and uh, expanding. All it is, is just, it's like binary system almost in the computer. All it is, everything is, it's not solid around us. We are not solid. It's all wave forms and you start seeing the true nature of self when you're really meditating as the space contracting and expanding and, and all that stuff. So that like has been blowing in my mind and I've been super, I believe in that and I've just been like really obsessed with that notion and everything, but I'm not there. I haven't experienced it. I haven't experienced the construction either in the sense that you're talking about <coughs> learning about human experience um, through this form, but I've done other things in life that I feel like can uh, make me appreciate what this form might give to me uh, if I were to pursue it uh, as a master of many of many things <coughs> so i i would give the vipassana meditation learning about the world that it's just con <coughs> uh, expansion and contraction of space i would give it a i would give it a 10 that sounds like a great experience and to get to that without using psychedelics sounds fantastic <laughs> but i've also learned through my last few years of living that I also really enjoy being human being and having human experiences and to learn about human experiences. Even might some, some might say ordinary life is what I've been craving and I'm happy living ordinary life and to learn more about other human beings in my own nature through a beautiful art form like deconstruction through form that I have somewhat abandoned improv in general art form but I, I feel like I will come back to it. And I have been doing improv improvised movies, so I haven't completely abandoned it. I'll give it also a 10. Another tenner. Wow, two tens. Wow. I, I feel like I don't want to give my answer now. My <laughs> answer sounds silly in comparison. Zero. <clears throat> to be perfectly honest. Um, no, that is fantastic, man. And, and eventually we'll come back to improv. Those, those cats got to fly, man. Those cats got to fly. That's going to happen. <laughs> I really wish there was. Uh, is there footage of that anywhere? Someone filming at the clubhouse? Please tell yeah, me. Yeah, but also, exists. like, I, I'm coming back. I think I'm starting probably Yuri nice. December. Yeah, nice. once a month. I, I don't. Chad would never let me go, and I would never let him. <laughs> of course, let, that 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 go. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Um, thank you. so, ah, God, that's fantastic. I'm gonna be thinking about that for a long time, because this is what I do. I just sit here and think about yeah. improv, and then my. My girl works during the day, and I work from the home, so I'm having uh, <laughs> I'm having improv sets and improv scenes all the time. <clears throat> uh, yeah, a couple of uh, like a year or so ago, I think I did my first show back where uh, we just sat in. King Tin was uh, shorthanded at, uh, at Westside, and so me and Neil and Sean from Doctor God went over and did the show with him. And Lloyd was there, and I was like, I love Lloyd. I hadn't seen Lloyd Alquist in forever, and he was like, Oh man, you're great. It's like. God, you looks like you haven't missed a step. And I'm like, oh, buddy, I haven't. I have just kept doing shows. Everyone else is, uh, is like, oh, man, I'm so rusty. I haven't done improv since before the pandemic. And I'm like, I'm just in my house being like, oh, I've been looking at your resume, and it seems here that you're a bear. <laughs> like, I'm just doing it all <clears throat> by myself. Uh, but this is great. I have not thought of the scale of 1 to 10. Obviously, I'm biased. So this is, you know, 
we'll go ahead and spoiler. Uh, it's going to be three ten out of tens, right? Oh. I can't dedicate my life to this and give it an eight. You would right? be surprised. Uh, <laughs> sometimes a guest comes with us. Well, it's a four, and we're like, wait, they give less than what they, we it, did. It's called. Uh, it's called. Shut up! I love it. How can you be here at a love level of four? I sometimes appreciate Whatever. their uh, their honesty and the scale use. They'll be like, well, my mother's a ten, that's but right. this th- other thing that I love, it's a four compared to that. Okay, like, okay, that's. I that's see fair. what you're doing, but. But anyway, I will continue. give I will give a good example though. Yes, and I uh, so I have I've 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 put the link in the chat so you can always copy and paste that uh, into whatever promotions you're doing so people know what we're talking about. So I'm a massive pro wrestling fan, and the reason why so many improvisers and sketch comedians and clowns are massive professional wrestling fans is because it has all the stuff that you love about that. But you probably saw it when you were too young to realize that that's the stuff that you loved about it. Big costumes, big characters. You talk about groundlings as big in a wig, right? That's the sort of you know, you know, uh, shorthand for that kind of thing of like, well, that's Hulk Hogan. You know, that's that's Coco Beware coming out to the audience with a with an actual live bird. That's <clears throat> uh, but also I feel like it's a true. It's one of the true last truly successful. Yes, I know there's I know there's pro wrestling in England and Japan and 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 Mexico that have long long histories and proud traditions, but specifically what I'm talking about is that American professional wrestling is one of the few last truly successful folk arts. You can put a company of professional wrestlers into a building and sell out a basketball arena. You would need a dozen of the biggest bluegrass artists in the world to sell out a basketball arena. You would need a dozen of some of the best, like, <clears throat> jazz, American jazz musicians to sell out a basketball arena. And it has all the stuff that we love, which is blood. It's very Shakespearean in that sense. Blood, brotherhood, betrayal, soliloquies, theater in the round is not that far off from the squared mm. circle. And you have, you know, speaking of groundlings, they got their name from, you know, the... Uh, the rabble that you know stood and paid three pence for a ticket to stand uh, to stand up and make deals with prostitutes. Shakespeare very much knew who his audience were and made sure that there was lots of bawdry humor, a lot of you know blood special effects and all that kind of stuff, but also beautiful fluid language that had really touched people to the heart and soul. And I feel like pro wrestling and improv does that. And probably my favorite thing of all time, which is I would definitely put this into the decon. Is you can you can look it up, but also if you just uh, look it up on YouTube, it's called the Garvins Reunite. That's all you have to type in is the Garvins Reunite. G A R V I N S. It's uh, Ronnie Garvin, who was a good guy, uh, a baby face in the parlance of pro wrestling, and then Jimmy Garvin, who was his brother, in canon brother, uh, kayfabe uh, brother. Really, it was his. Uh, <clears throat> I think it was his son-in-law or his nephew. <laughs> But wrestling, again, the idea of kayfabe where the audience is in on it and we are agreeing to suspend our disbelief so that we can enjoy the pageantry of the show, which is very similar to improv, where it's like, oh, these are this isn't, you know, this isn't Sasha and Joe. This is a crazy Russian cat lady, and this is a man who is just desperately looking for his daughter and would love her to just tell her. But I've been putting these, these flyers everywhere. I don't see them. Bam, I hit you with cat, right? And we all go like, oh, boy, I hope he finds his daughter. Like, we're not being like, oh, Joe and Sasha are being so silly. It's sort of the same thing, that idea of that kayfabe. And when you talk about an entire arena of people having to be in, and I, when I say every person was involved to make this genius, which is uh, also as a film director, as a filmmaker, this, I think, is the greatest fluid master I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Goodfellas, 1917, 
go fuck yourselves. This this is a time where a guy, a bad guy, was throwing a fireball, lit, lighting a piece of paper, and throwing it into the good guy's face. He had never thrown a fireball before in his life. They asked Jim Cornette to do it like 10 minutes before they went out there. He was like, I've never done it. They're like, you'll figure it out, baby. <laughs> <clears throat> um, <clears throat> it's a tag match already. So he gets a fireball in his uh, sense. It's at the end of the match where everyone has already done all this sort of like call-on-the-fly, improvised ballet of violence. Then this thing comes out. All the good guys come down to like put the cloth over his head, and then you hear the announcers going like, "That's Jimmy Garvin. What's he doing here? He's a bad guy. He should be a brother or not, right?" They cover him up, and then they proceed to walk from a full arena that is screaming, packed with people losing their minds about this injustice, and also the shock and the stun that Jimmy Garvin, this asshole that cheats and and is defaming the family, has come out because blood is thicker than water, and that's his brother. And they do this long completely unrehearsed fluid master where the guy the cameraman is following him there's two guys behind him having the leads because this is the early 80s there is no mic there's no radio pack this is all straight this is all stingers this is all xlr cables walking through the back those guys are going from dark arena to lit uh brightly lit backstage brightly lit uh locker room the guy is having to rack focus and white balance in real time and it's just him everyone's in there like ronnie's on the ground streaming like that jimmy looks over his shoulder he can't take anymore he runs across to the bad guy locker room kicks the door in and is beating the shit out of the guy that just threw the fireball in that dude's face and they're all jumping on there going jimmy you're a bad guy like us you can't be jumping the bad guys and he when he's when he's been pulled off he comes out and they have ronnie out and they're putting him into the back of a volvo to take him to the hospital and oh by the way now the guy has had to he has had to color correct again for the nighttime and it's raining you can see like just the beginning of drizzle this would be this would cost three weeks and a million dollars a day a million this is this is the this is the car ambush scene from children of men and these are all just a bunch of of rednecks in their 30s mm-hmm. somewhere in god knows west virginia doing it in real time in one take completely improvised and rehearsed they may have had us talk backstage of like all right you do this you do that but like the match wasn't called not the way that they did it back then they were like ah oh, we'll call in the ring you come here we got to do we're gonna do 30 or something you come in you throw the fireball and they come and get them they bring him to the back baby like that was a, as much as they said and to be able to pull off what feels like a daniel craig level action movie in one take that to me is what the decon is. When people see it, they go. When when I talk about wrestling, they go, oh, and they probably have their mind of like Hulk Hogan and, and a lot of the dumb dumb stuff. There's a lot of stuff in wrestling that is dumb that is for babies, and people see that and that's what they think it is. Until you show them a an incredible match of you know pick two of your favorites or like uh, or you go like oh where you see the artistry of the pageantry and they get caught up in it and there's a, a stadium full of people who are caught up in it and then something like that happens where now they've taken it out of the stadium but into the real world and it still lives and still exists and now it's breathing this air air i'm breathing and at the end of it, you go huh and that person goes oh i get improv now i get why people are being such you know nerd boners for it i get now why people are like oh Yes, it's not rehearsed, but you definitely have to put a lot of craft and work into it so when the opportunity arrives in real time, you're able to just hit that grand slam with a golden bat. Even though I've never seen this sport before, I am now a pure expert at it. And to me, that is what the deconstruction, more than anything else in any other improv experience or form, the decon makes that type of 
instance or the po- potential pos- possibility or probability of having a moment like the Garvin's Review Night, but in an improvised comedy show, makes that more likely. That makes it more replicable than not. And that's where I'm just like, I'm chasing that, Jim. Uh, yeah, I have a good memory and all that, but I believe that I choose to pay attention. And we all remember the good stuff. I can still remember the first uh, deconstruction I ever did in front of an audience. Uh, and that was with the Happy Time about Rainbow Bunny Squad. That's back in 2004. That's almost 20 years ago at this point now. To me, that is that is why it's a 10 out of a 10. And I can always back it up with like this equally nerdy thing that uh, people know and is super famous, but also people kind of love to shit on the same way as improv. And all I'm trying to do is get intro, yeah. improv to the moment <laughs> where we complain. If we are complaining about improv of like, ah, we had to, we had to move out of Staples Center just and go to go across the street to live because we can only sell 5,000 tickets instead of 15,000. I'm like, what a great fucking problem to have for improv. That is (laughs) where I would like to get it to like, Oh, I'm hoping I can send in my packet this week for, uh, for Colbert. And then next week I'm do SNL. And I hope that'll have me enough time before I fly to Oklahoma to see my mom to be able to put in something, uh, put in a packet for the decon show. You know what I mean? Like I want it being said on that same level. And that's why I love what, you know, Catsby and all those guys you know, with Chad and all the rest of them do, or those kind of variety shows of like putting improv next to clown, next to sketch, next to videos, all that, and putting it together is the only way we're going to raise our, our standard of respect by putting it next to stand up, next to sketch, next to bands and live music, all on the same show. So everyone goes, great band oh what a funny improv set yeah yeah i think the improv set was my favorite and then after that was probably the stand-up and then the short film that's what we have to do and that is uh what i am constantly trying to do all the time and uh thankfully you know the decon is the one to do it and uh i'll leave it with just the idea of like they say um if you love what you do you'll never work a day in your life so the idea of me making a deconstruction tv show or deconstruction movie is just about the most like yeah. one-to-one <laughs> ratio of like, what are you doing? You love Deke. Oh, Brian's known as the decon guy. Yeah. He was doing, Oh, because of the TV show. Well, yeah. And the 20 years before that, Oh, so he gets to do the thing every day. Yeah. They're paying him for it. That sounds great. Right. That's he, won. Every yeah, day. The, the, he won. He yeah. won the game. And, and we wish That's you it. The best of luck with that. We're very Thank excited you. to see this yes. come together. Um, BOC, we're so lucky to have you. Thank you so much for Thank coming. Thank you. You're very, love you're it. very kind. Um, anything you want to promote? Anything you want to talk about? Oh, yeah. I am constantly looking for work. Uh, it is one of those things where we all are, but it's kind of thing of like, uh, I've just decided to get over myself. I'm just like, yeah. Uh, a lot of people are like, I don't know. BOC wouldn't have time to shoot our short film. Like I like making cool stuff with my friends. That's my thing. Liz is like, what do you want to do for a living? I'm like, she's like, what's your values? What's your, what do you think is important? What do you want to do for a living? I'm like, I want to make cool shit with my friends. So if anybody's listening, yes, I want to direct your sketch show. Yes, I want to do your digital short with you. You are not bothering me. I will do friend prices. <clears throat> I will do your music video for your band. Uh, I just want to do fun stuff. I want to travel and teach at places. And uh, if anybody wants to read my stuff, like I said, the Anarchist Cookbook uh, is being pitched. That's a, It's an animated show. Uh, I'm pretty proud of it. Uh, and then i got a couple other things in the books I'm, I'm not allowed to talk about yet, but eventually those will happen. Uh, and everybody will know about it. And then just, uh, yeah, if anybody wants to read my stuff about uh, a quadruple murder in Mandan, North Dakota, <clears throat> uh, or, or things of that ilk, uh, just, yeah, hit me up, find me. Where do uh, they find you? Where do they find you? Um, uh, the website is itsboc.com, but uh, 2023 is where I'm like, I'm going to fix it and make it pretty again. So it might be down. 
Uh, Twitter, you can find me at, uh, at B3OC, the number three B, letter B, number three OC. Same thing on Instagram. Um, the real B3OC, I think, on TikTok. Uh, I refuse to do lots of TikTok stuff. I'm only doing like little short films. And so I'm just going to be like, you might not watch a lot of my stuff, but everything you watch on that page is going to be good. Uh, yeah, and then just, you know, the, the Googles. I have, Google. I have Google them. Well, Brian James O'Connell is a really strong SEO, and I think the person that was already in SAG when I got my SAG card, they're like, you can't go by Brian O'Connell. There's another guy. I'm like, oh, I guess I'll use my full name like a like a pretentious duck. But then David Gordon Green came out, and he made it cool for the rest of us guys. We <laughs> all of our three names. Thanks, there Dave. Comedy guy, too. So. They're pretty great, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joseph, uh, middle name Cabello. What's going on with you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no one will know it. I don't want them stealing my identity. Uh, actually, good timing, because in the mail uh, just came the proof for uh, bottoms up. Yeah, baby. Beautiful. Woo! I've been talking about Look this for that. a long time. It is the Look full 150-page final complete <laughs> comic wow. book. The first three issues have been out for like two years, or <clears throat> maybe not two oh, years, wow. but a year, year and a half. I finally finished the fourth, compiled it into the full book. So if the proof is here Amazing. in my hands, I'm going to be reading it today to make sure it looks good. And then that is oh, the next step for it being fantastic. out for people's hands. So uh, Where can check they that find out. how to yeah. read this? Um, you know what? I'm not 100% sure how the release is we'll going to go, but the... go to JoeCabello.com. You'll Joe find links to it. it. But so far, it's looking uh, looking good, and it's nice and meaty, 150 pages. Yeah. There's a lot of work in there. <clears throat> there is. A couple Look, of years. fun, too. All Quiet on the Western Front was only like 125, 130, I think. Maybe Dude, 140 pages. Did you see the film on Netflix? Oh, so yeah, good. The new, the new, uh, I haven't yet, but there's been nine different people that sent it to me because of the bit I was doing. So they were like, um, they're like, you know, you know, there's a German version now. I'm like, I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch it. Don't worry. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah, check out my class on scriptanatomy.com. Yes. Still has some spots open where you take your pilot from idea to the first draft. So hello, it's yes. a January class, so there's still time. To what's it, what's it. what's it called again? What's it called? Uh, the class is called, I think, uh, TV Pilot slash Spec Lab class on uh, scriptanatomy.com. Oh, nice. Uh, I didn't know you were doing that. Yeah, I'm doing a little bit of that. Yeah, best right, teacher in all. LA. Yeah. Um, well, thank you again, BOC. Um, thank you, And guys. Um, we'd love to have you back at any time. Um, done much done. love. And thank you, Elizabeth Salud, for the artwork. Thank you, Mr. Owl, for this amazing track. And thank you for listening.